have everybody's attention now. I have so much anger. I feel like I've been raped in the face. Welcome to the Element of Surprise. Uh, my name is Chad Suet. I'm your host of the Element of Surprise. Uh, for those of you new listeners, let me tell you how to find us. You can go to www.facebook.com backslash EOS Mentally Irregular. That'll take you to our Facebook page. Uh, from there, you can see our updates and so on and so forth. Join the Element of Surprise group through there as well. Uh, it's more interactive than the actual page itself. And um, where can you hear us? You can hear us on Podomatic.com. Just uh, type in your browser, EOSMentallyIrregular.Podomatic.com. Takes you straight to our Podomatic page. All the episodes are up there. You can listen to them right through there. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me through the Facebook page, or you can email me at element.2017 at yahoo.com. Okay, getting right into it. Um, does anybody remember those... They uh, sell them uh, for, like, kids. Like, do you remember you would put these pills, they, they had these items, you would put them in water and they would grow into, like, anim- like little sponges that were, like, animal shapes and stuff like that. Well, they have ones now where it's, like, you know, dinosaur, it's like a dinosaur egg. And you put the egg, you submerge the egg in water, and it sits there for, like, uh, 24 to 48 hours. And it hatches, and the egg dissolves, and out comes, like, a fully formed... Uh, dinosaur. Well, my five-year-old just got one of these, and we, they, you know, we did the whole thing. He was excited to see the egg hatch, and we put it under the water, and out pops this uh, this uh, Triceratops, this, this fully formed dinosaur, and it, he was he was cool with it. But I'm going to describe for you now the dinosaur that popped out, because this thing wasn't right. You want to talk fucking mentally irregular? This thing was fucking physically irregular. First off, I want to touch on its gimpy leg. <clears throat> so. Out of the four legs that were formed, one of the like the back, the back right foot was like, like tiny and like you know misshapen. It looked, it, it reminded me of uh, in Scary Movie Two. There was the character that had the tiny hand, and he stuck it in the uh, mashed potatoes and said, "My germs." That's what the back leg of this dinosaur looks like. Um, also, it's supposed to be a Triceratops, but it only has two horns on its face. It's got one tiny horn on its nose, and it's got another just unicorn-style horn coming out of its forehead. So it's really a Biceratops, which is cool. You know, we don't judge. We don't judge here at the Element of Surprise, so Biceratops is fine. And uh, lastly, like, under the base of its tail, like, down by where its legs are, is supposed to, you know, just be like, you know, its tail connecting to, like, its asshole or something like that, but... In this case, this dinosaur has what looks like two misshapen balls, like nutsack balls, fused to the underside of its tail, and it, it, it is, it's just an abomination. It's an abomination. It looks like it's been through the telepods from uh, the fly, and it came out like they f- fused uh, Jeff Goldblum with a Triceratops, and it's just, it's just, um, it's a massacre. It's a fucking, it's a wreck. But uh, I, I just had to describe that to, to you guys, to you listeners out there, to the EOS Army, 
because you should see, I'll take a picture of this thing and post it on the Facebook page and in the group because it is, it's fucking, it's disturbing to look at. Um, Moving on, moving on. I've got uh, more cat stuff lined up for you today, more cat stuff. Um, As you probably heard in previous episodes, I've been talking a little bit more and more about this cat that we kind of uh, semi-adopted. It was like a like a stray, and we kind of adopted, and it's our cat now. And, uh, you know, it's a really good cat. But uh, this cat does some bizarre shit. This cat just does some really bizarre shit that I'm, I'm not used to, I guess. Maybe a lot of cats do this. I'm not sure, because I was never really a cat person. But now that we have the cat, I notice the cat does a lot of bizarre shit. I'm going to start off uh, by telling you about giving this cat a bath, which no cat... I have not yet met the cat that enjoys taking a bath, that enjoys being, you know, covered in water. And uh, this cat is no exception to that rule. So I gave the cat a bath the other day. um, And, man, I thought dealing with a five-year-old was hard. This cat, it, it, like, fought me, and then it, like, started crying, and it, like, it's, like, breaking my heart. I'm like, aw, the cat's crying. Like, I wanted to stop, but it's already soaking wet, so, you know, what the hell... What would be the point of that? So I finished giving it a bath, and it, it just gets violent. It gets violent. Like, if the cat were a human being, it started off as, like, a child being like, no, please, please, I don't like this. And it turned into, like, backstreet thug being, like, back alley thug being like, give me your fucking wallet, asshole. And I was just like, whoa, where is this coming from, cat? And it was all, you know, done through uh, cat vocalization, which is like, stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, that one's not so out of the ordinary. Let me tell you some more out of the ordinary things that this cat does. This cat has what I like to call the silent meow where it'll just be sitting there, and you'll go and pet it, and its mouth will open, and it'll make like the like the facial expressions of giving a meow, but there's no noise. It's just, it's, it's silent. So, you know, we get the silent meow a lot, and that's also, that's in sharp contrast to what, to what else it does, which is the loud meow. You know, you'll be sitting there, and it'll just walking by, and the cat's eating its food, and it'll look up at you and just be like, It's like, Jesus Christ, what do you want? It'll follow you around. It'll like just sit there at your legs, and you look at it. You make eye contact, and its whole body starts to fucking vibrate and shake. Its tail starts going nuts. It's looking at me right now as we speak. As I, as I'm telling you this, the cat is now looking at me. Let me see. Let me see if I can get it to do. I don't know if you guys caught that. That was a that was kind of like the normal meow. All I did was put I put one finger. I put my pinky finger up onto the top of its ear, and that's what I got. So let's try it again with a whole head. Now, no, and of course, now she's just doing normal meows, making a fucking liar out of me. Uh, what else does this cat do? Um, this cat will vibrate its tail furiously at things. Like, it'll be walking by the garbage can, and it'll uh, reach its pop and smack at the garbage bag hanging out of the can, and then it'll stop, and its tail will just vibrate out of control at the fucking garbage can for, like, uh, like a minute. I, 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 I clocked it at, like, 40 seconds one time. I'm like, oh, my God. I just, it, like, I, it looked like it's having a seizure, like its ass and tail is having a seizure. Like it's like it's like it's suffering from a stroke, or somebody shined like a strobe light in its eyes for too long, and but just its asshole and its tail are going ballistic. So that's stuff that the cat does, and uh, you know I'm going to keep you updated on more just more cat stuff. Um, all right, moving on. There is a movie out. There is a movie out called Horns. It stars Daniel Radcliffe from Harry Potter fame, 
and uh, some other actors and actresses that I'm not all that familiar with. But I, I recently watched this movie for the second time. The first time I seen it, I was just too mesmerized by it to really talk about it, so I had to watch it again. And um, I watched it again recently, and I'm just like, wow, what is this movie about? And I'm going to tell you what it was about, what I, what I saw that it was about. It's about a guy. It, it starts off, you know, he, he starts off with him and his girlfriend on like a picnic in the woods. And then it jumps forward and, you know, she's dead and he's being accused of her murder, but he's not in jail. He's just walking freely for some reason because I guess they can't prove that he killed her. But, um, you know, everybody in town thinks he killed her. So, you know, what, of course, what, what, uh, what, what happens in that kind of situation? Oh, I know. Fucking devil horns should start growing out of your head because that's what happens to him. And he gets, like, the powers of the devil. Like, he'll start talking to people, and just because he's got the horns, they start telling him, like, their worst, uh, like, actions and stuff like that. Like, there's a particular scene where Heather Graham claims to be a witness to the murder, and then she just, you know, since he's got the horns, she just confesses that she lies about everything uh, just because she thinks she's pretty and she wants to be famous, and it goes on like that. But, um, you know, so as I'm watching this movie... You know, and as it's progressing, and as the horns on his head are getting bigger, and it's becoming more apparent that he is kind of like the devil incarnate, I'm just kind of like sitting there, and like, you know, I was talking with my with my with my girl about it, and we were watching it. I'm just like, what? You know, and this is the, again, this is the second time we're watching this film. I'm like looking at her. I'm like, what in the fuck are we watching? What is this? Because it's so much of the like, you don't know is the movie a comedy? Is it serious? There's like dramatic parts. What is this? What is horns? So what I've decided about Horns is that, you know, overall, good movie. If I had to give it an EOS rating out of 20, I'd give it like an 18 out of 20. It's worth it's worth the watch. Sit down and watch Horns. You might disturb yourself. You might enjoy it. I don't know. But what I ultimately decided is that the one thing that could push this movie over, the one thing that can make this movie, excuse me, uh, what can make this movie be more than it already is, is if we take... Uh, Pittsburgh native, famous actor Jeff Goldblum, and just mic him up and just give it, like, you know, just record audio commentary from Jeff Goldblum just watching the film. And I, I want that to happen. So, you know, somehow, somewhere, anybody listening to this, EOS Army, EOS uh, supporters and followers, if you guys can get this into the hands of Jeff Goldblum and, and help me make him a guest on my podcast we will sit down and we will watch Horns together and do live audio commentary to the movie Horns. Me and Jeff Goldblum. We'll make a whole episode out of it. That is the goal. That is my goal. That is your goal. That's what we need to make happen. Moving on. Uh, recently, for those of you who are on the group and in the Facebook page, you saw that I have posted up um, my idea for a contest, uh, like a fight. I call it the, lullab- the Lullaby Deathmatch. And um, I thought to myself, okay, well, who, who are two people that would, like, just spoken word a lullaby in, like, the most intense and frightening way? And it, it hit me immediately. It would be Jason Statham and Liam Neeson. So I put, like, this whole versus poster up on the page and everything like that and in the group. And you guys probably saw it. And I, I put up a poll to vote. And we have a winner. Winner at three votes to one is Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson apparently could kill a person with a lullaby. By speaking a lullaby, he could be like, uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star. And it would, uh, you know, just spoken word that shit, and it would cause somebody else to die. Uh, the only person that voted for Jason Statham, I'm sorry, not the winner, not who we needed. He, he, he might have been the uh, hero we deserved, 
but he's not the hero we need right now. Sorry about that. Liam Neeson, you are the winner of the first Lullaby Deathmatch. I'm already working on what's going to be the next one. So uh, look forward to that, gang. Um, okay, all right, so... I've been watching the uh, the Today Show a lot, and this week I guess they were doing something about world records and uh, breaking world records. So that got me thinking, you know, what are some of the weirdest world records out there? Because uh, the one guy they had on this morning, he he hold, now holds the world record. He broke his own record that he had held previously, because I can't imagine why anybody else would want to do this. So, of course, he's gonna, the only person that he's going to be breaking the record of is himself. He broke his own world record for punching the, mo- the most watermelons in under a minute. So, somewhere in the, over the course of time, he's like, you know what, man, I really want to be, hold a world record. What can I do better than anybody else on the planet? Got it. I punch watermelons. I punch hardened fruits. So, you know, he had held this record for a while, and um, he decided on the Today Show that he was going to break that record, and he was going to do it in under a minute, and he did. He, he went from por- punching 42 watermelons to 46 watermelons. So, you know, he's stepping up his game in the whole watermelon punching department. Uh, there was another lady on there that just yesterday. Um, you know the game Jenga, where you remove a piece, and if you make the tower fall down, you, you, you lose? Um, she holds the world record for removing pieces from the Jenga tower without knocking it down with like an Indiana Jones style whip. Like she just cracks the whip and it knocks the pieces out of there. And it was actually pretty entertaining to watch. But, um, you know, again, this is someone who's like, you know, what well, what can I do better than anyone else? Oh, I got it. I can crack a whip like Indiana Jones and send little little pieces of wood flying out from a stack of other little pieces of wood. That, that's what I can do better than anybody else in the world. And to prove it, she now holds the record in that. So she tried to break her own record, and she failed miserably. Like, her record was like 30 pieces in under a minute, and I think she got two. But anyway, this, this all got me thinking about what other type of uh, world records are there out there? What other world records are there in the, uh, in the world that are just absolutely bizarre? And so I've compiled a list of some of them for you right now. Uh, number one, there is the heaviest weight pulled by a human being by their eye sockets. I'm going to repeat that. The heaviest weight pulled by the eye sockets of a human being. Now, the heaviest weight pulled with the eye sockets is 411.65 kilograms, which is 907 pounds. That's that's by your eye sockets. And this was achieved by a man called the Space Cowboy, a.k.a. his real name is Shane Holgren, and he's of Australia. He lives in Australia. Um, this happened on April 25th in 2009. He, this man decided to himself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hook 907 pounds of weight up to my eyes, up to my eye socket, and I'm just going to drag it. I'm just going to drag the weight, like, as far as I can. And he did. So good for him, you know. If I, I, I'm, I'm sure his face will never look the same. I, I know that I can't even stand having like two pounds of weight hanging off my eye sockets. That's, that's like fucking. That just sounds like it would be murder to me. But you know, good, good job, space cowboy. You know, uh, keep, uh, keep pulling weights. We hope for you to break a thousand pounds with just your, you know, your eye sockets alone. You crazy bastard. Um, Another one, and this one was actually really cool. I like this one. It's uh, the smallest all-terrain armored vehicle. It was built by Howe & Howe Technologies 
and it measures less than one full meter. So it's like, I think it's like, it's less than three feet by three feet squared. It's called the PAV-1 Badger, or the PAV-1 Badger, and it's the smallest all-terrain armored vehicle in the world. It's powerful enough to break down doors, but, not small, but also small enough to fit inside of a lift. And it was uh, actually commissioned by the Civil Protection Services of California, given the, that they ever would need it. Um, moving on, moving on, we also have, um, oh, okay. So we had the guy that punches watermelons, and uh, somebody else out there is like, you know what, fuck that. I want to break toilet seats with my head. So he, there's a guy that holds the, most, holds the world record for breaking the most uh, toilet seats with his head in under a minute. Um, I don't, you, you really have to wonder who came up with these records. What caused somebody in the world to be like, you know, it goes back to the whole lightning in a bottle fucking shit that I talk about whenever I was doing the cartoons about, you know, what would do with Denver the dinosaur. Oh, you put sunglasses on it, obviously. Who is sitting down, who working for Guinness World Records is sitting down in their office and their job is to go, hmm, hmm, you know what? You know what? I bet you out, somebody out there in the world would want to bash their head against toilet seats and break them. I bet there's somebody out there in the world that wants to, wants to punch a, a shitload of watermelons and we can see who can do the most in under a minute. Um, the world record, you know, the, the world record for this is, just seems absurd. And usually, even in my experience, the, uh, the toilet seat and the human head are not really the most compatible elements, but this is the element of surprise, and it surprised me. Um, the world record is held by Kevin Shelley from the United States. His record is 46 uh, toilet seats broken in a minute with his head. Um, back to watermelons. Apparently, it's popular watermelon day at the uh, or with uh, the Guinness World Records. They like watermelons. Um, the most watermelons chopped off of one per off of a human stomach in under a minute. Um, and if you're curious, the what instrument was used to uh, chop these watermelons? It was a machete. Someone put a water, put watermelons on their bare stomach and had somebody else who wield a machete and just chop the watermelons in half, um, which I think is terrifying. I mean, you could get halved that way. I don't want to get halved, and you know that's how the wrong kid died. Um, but the record is 25 watermelons in one minute, and it was achieved by these two Australian people, whose names were not available to me. But uh, you know, those are some of the actual world records, and that got me thinking: what would be a world record I would try? What's a world record you would try? This is the element of surprise, so I came up with some surprising ones. And you know what? I'm going to actually say screw it. I'm going to screw the ones I have written down, and I'm just going to come up with ones right now off the top of my head. How about uh, world record for most bricks eaten? How about that? Like, like actual bricks that you use in construction. World record for most bricks eaten. Uh, world record for largest shit that you've taken on your boss's desk. How about that? I know a lot of people that would probably like to do that. That'd be, that record would be getting broken all the time. How about a world record for the longest you've ever dangled your penis inside of a blender? doesn't have to be turned on. be more thrilling if it was turned on. You know, some people wouldn't have to worry about that. Like, I, me, I don't have the biggest penis in the world, so I could hang that in a blender and turn it on all day long. I could hold that record easily. 
You know, just so, you know, I'd worry. I'd be like, "Oh, am I gonna fall asleep now? Am I getting tired? Of my dick gonna get chopped off in the blender? I'm gonna have a, gonna have some liquid dick? No, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. But it's a world record that I could hold. How about a uh, world record for most chinchillas shoved into your pocket? How about that? I I, I have a chinchilla. She does not like being in a pocket. So I my my estimate on this is that the record would probably be three before somebody got mauled and believe it or not chinchillas as adorable as they are they will maul you they will cut a bitch they have little switch little hands which i'm sure they used to hold little switchblade knives and tiny guns and they will they'll, they'll, they'll cut a motherfucker they will cut you um well let me think here let me think okay all right how about this how i i want to be the man that holds the guinness world record for most unbroken light bulbs shoved up another person's ass. I want to be the person putting I, putting the light bulbs up someone's butt without them breaking. And I want to be the guy that holds that record. Why do I want to hold that record? I don't know. I just came up with it. After saying it out loud, it doesn't really sound all that thrilling. But you know what? It's something that might happen. This is the element of surprise. So you pro- I, I hope that you guys are a little surprised by this. Um, I'm going to throw one more at you. World record for, uh, let's see, ah, okay, simple. World record for most birds killed with one stone. And I don't mean that you have to throw the stone at the birds. I'm just saying we get a table with birds. Just get a table with, like, birds, like filthy filthy pigeon birds, and just strap the birds down and go around. You have a minute to do it and just go around with a, with a, with a rock, with a stone, and just start bashing birds. That just sounds to me like an excuse to smash some birds, but it could be fun. I, not not for me. I don't like smashing animals, but you know somebody out there's got to be a sick enough fuck to smash some birds. So, you know, let's think about that one. Um, okay, that was that was fun. Uh, moving on, moving on. One of my all-time favorite movies is The Princess Bride. It's a classic. It's a classic. It literally has everything. You know, it's got a pirate. It's got a Spaniard. It's got a giant. It's got the bald guy that says inconceivable. It's got uh, the princess, uh, who is also the bride. That's where the movie gets its title from, because she's a, both a princess and a bride to be. So the princess bride. Um, it's got a six. It's got a guy with six fingers. So it's got a guy with a deformity in it. Um, it's got an albino. It's got uh, Billy Crystal, and then best of all, best of all, my favorite character. And I'm sure I'm going to get some flack for this. My favorite character in the whole movie, played by the great Chris Sarandon, which was Susan Sarandon's first husband, by the way, and the reason her last name is actually Sarandon, look it up, it's a fact. Played by the great Chris Sarandon, my favorite character, Prince Humperdinck. Prince Humperdinck. Prince Humperdinck is amazing. If you disagree, rewatch the movie. He's fucking amazing. He says things like, and I quote, if I am wrong, and I am never wrong, then they're into the fire swamp. And he's right. That's where they went. Proof that he is never wrong, proof of how amazing he is, comes from the combination of two scenes. At one point in the movie, Wesley, our hero, is uh, in, a match, in a battle of wits against Vicini, the man who uh, says inconceivable and kidnapped the uh, Princess Bride. In which they use, uh, they go in a battle of wits with uh, two glasses of wine. One of the uh, glasses is supposedly poisoned with a poison known as Iocane powder. 
Wesley, when presenting the Iocane powder to Vinzini, says, and I quote, Inhale this, but do not touch. Vinzini says, I smell nothing. Wesley immediately replies, What you do not smell is called Iocane powder. It is odorless, tasteless, and amongst the most powerful poisons known to man. Later in the movie, after this is played out, Humperdinck, hot on the trail trying to rescue his uh, supposed bride-to-be, the Princess Bride, stumbles upon where they have the Battle of Wits. He picks up the empty vial that had once contained the Iocane powder, which I will again say is odorless and tasteless. There is no way for anybody to know that that vial had contained Iocane powder. But Prince Humperdinck just simply puts it under his nose and takes a whiff and goes, Iocane. I'd bet my life on it. And he was right! How did he do that? He was amazing! He was amazing. Prince Humperdinck was amazing. He only finally falters at the end when Wesley challenges, challenges him to a fight to the pain. Not to the death, to the pain. And I'm not going to ruin the movie for you. You go watch The Princess Bride. It's amazing. I'm sure most of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it now and enjoy Prince Humperdinck for how amazing he really is. Moving on. Um, in the episode I did called Welcome to the Brick Factory, I discussed at great length somebody that I worked with who I'm sure microwaved a fart. And I discussed that at great length. For those of you who have not heard that yet, stop listening to this episode now, go listen to that, and then come back to this. Okay, have you heard it? I'll give you a minute. Okay, are we good? Okay, we're good. So, there, I was at work last week, and there was a person who came into the office. It was our mechanic, and he just, you know, was talking with us about, you know, going camping and going fishing and, uh, you know, cooking food on the fire and smoking meats and stuff like that and smoking some fish. And, you know, he was talking about, oh, you need a good smokehouse to smoke his fish. And he tells us a story. He tells me and my coworkers a story that is so absurd it has to be true. It has to be true. And I'm going to regale that story to you now. He was camping with his with his girlfriend, his brother and his and his sister and, and his sister-in-law. And they were catching fish. They were catching what he called river cod, which I've looked up fish. I don't believe river cod is a fish. But they they, co- they caught their supposed river cod, and they, they cut, gutted them, and they cleaned them. And you know what? They didn't want to cook them over the fire. They wanted to smoke the river cod. So, what do you need? You need a smokehouse. You need a smokehouse to smoke, to smoke fish. What did they use? There's no smokehouse in the woods. They didn't bring a smokehouse with them. So what did he use? He used a porta potty he used a, a, a vacant porta potty. He turned it into a, in a makeshift smokehouse. That's actually pretty ingen- ingenuitive, but um, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ingenious. It's a good idea. But for anybody that's ever smoked meat, you know this: smoking meat means that it takes on the flavor of any other scents and smells around it. That's why if you smoke meat with like a hickory smoked, you put like hickory wood in there to create the fire. Or if you have a honey smoked. Like an applewood smoke, you use like applewood, uh, you know, wood and applewood. You use applewood, and if you want like a honey on it, like you you know you coat the wood with honey. All this smells when you're smoking meats, 
or smoking anything go that flavor goes into it. He used an outhouse. He used a fucking portageon. So he's smoking his fish with shit. He's making shit fish. He is making shit fish. I, I have I been left out of the loop? Is shit is shit now a cooking product? That I was not informed about. Do we now, as a species, decide? You know what? I'm 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 ready to make dinner, guys. I got a real specialty lined up for you tonight. Oh, what is it? Are you making souffle? No, I'm not making souffle. What are you making? Well, I I, I was gonna make us some steaks. I'm gonna cook us some good old steaks. And you know what? I decided that. Uh, how do you guys like your steaks? Oh, I want mine uh, barbecued. No, I'm not going to barbecue the steaks. What are you going to do? Oh, put peppercorn. Peppercorn on mine. Marinate it in like, uh, in like some dressing and peppercorn the shit out of that. Nope. Nope. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to slather it with my shit. Toss it on the grill. Get to grow up some, some shit steaks. Is that a thing? Have I been left out of the fucking loop? Can somebody please tell me? Please... I'm not. I'm 100% serious. Is shit something that people use to cook now? And I'm just left out of the fucking like loop. Out of the who sent the memo and why didn't I get the memo? Why did I not get the memo that you can cook with shit now? You know, I, this is this is my second episode where I'm talking about people using food, food that's probably shit. If 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 the mechanic's story is 100% true, and it's too absurd not to be. People actually do cook with shit, which now tells me that the previous fart I thought somebody cooked, that's probably what they did. They probably just farted on their food, you know, blew some wet shit chips on there, and like, mm, that's going to be good when I heat that up in the microwave. That's going to be good stuff. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cook my fucking uh, fictitious river cod in a fucking smokehouse that I made out of a shit house, so we get some shit fish. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm, oh my God. You know what? I, I'm I'm really hoping this is the last story I have to tell about someone cooking with shit. I really do. It's 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 not it's not good for me mentally. I'm mentally irregular enough as it is. But uh, you know, madness is madness is like falling. All you takes is a push. And I you know this this keeps pushing me closer to the edge. Just closer to the edge. Every every single time I hear about somebody using shit as a cooking product. It's like, oh, I, I got uh, four. I got four, four sticks of margarine. Uh, I got some uh, honey glaze, and I got a, uh, I got like a, a half pound of shit, half pound of shit here that we're gonna use to cook up our, our dinner. Now I'm gonna make some shit corn, and I'm gonna use. Actually, if you eat the corn first, the corn will come out in your shit, and then you can put shit corn on your food. So you know, you go, go ahead and try that for anybody out there that cooks with shit. Um, fuck me, Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, moving on. Moving on. Wow, how do I come back from that? Um, whew, Jesus Christ. Okay, moving on. Um, recently, uh, my mother and uh, my mother and her boyfriend were selling off. Their their German Shepherd had puppies, and they're selling off these German Shepherd puppies. And uh, you know, she's talking about how the mom, the the German Shepherd puppy's mom, is you know she gets upset and like feisty whenever they sell off one of the one of the pups and you know it occurred to me it's like yeah of course she's upset you're physically selling her child so let's take a moment to really examine and think about this this is like this is like dogs on the black market 
really, when you think about it. And everybody does it, but it's really like the black market. You know, your dog has puppies. You're like, oh, sell the puppies. But nobody says, oh, guess what? I just had triplets. Octomom didn't fucking go, oh, I just gave birth to eight fucking babies. I better sell seven of them. That's not what happens, because that's called black market shit. You cannot sell a human infant, legally anyway. I'm sure you probably could, but you can't legally sell a human infant. But you can legally sell kittens. You can legally sell dogs. You can legally rip babies away from any other species on the planet and be like, it's okay to sell that. But if you try to do it with a baby, like a human baby, you go to jail. They call that kidnapping and, uh, you know, kidnapping intent to sell black market shit. I don't get it. I don't see the difference. I think maybe get your pets spayed and neutered. Bob Barker used to say it. Maybe do that. Then you don't need to worry about uh, the the mom the mama dog getting all pissed off because you're tearing uh, the life that she carried inside her away from her for a couple extra bucks. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, I'm about to tell you a story. It's one of my Vandergriff tales, and I'm going to start instituting Vandergriff tales into the uh, into this podcast uh, whenever I can, because I, I spent a good time, a good amount of time living in Vandergriff, and um, it is one of the most fucked up places on earth. It's like if the ghetto, the 1950s TV shows like Donna Reed and that, and just like surrealism all got together, fucked and had a baby. That baby grew up and like fucked like a cat, like a like a cokehead and had a baby, and then that baby grew up and decided to, like, fuck Martha Stewart. That is, that's kind of like what Vandergrift, the town, is. So, needless to say, living there, I've, I've, I've heard some stories. Uh, one of the best stories I've got from, uh, from the Vandergrift tales is about my fiancé's uncle, who, um, you know, this guy's a jack-of-all-trades. He's actually one of the most interesting and uh, coolest people I've ever met in my life. And, um... You know, he's a jack of all trades. The guy, he's, you know, in this in the late 70s and 80s, he was like a, like a metalhead and rocker, you know, like he grew up on like um you know, listen to the shit like Judas Priest and uh Warrant and shit like that and he just loves that shit. And it probably doesn't like Warrant actually now that I think about it. That's definitely not his style, but you know, anyway, shit like Judas Priest, like he grows up in doing that kind of stuff and he taught himself to play guitar, which is not an easy task, you know. I mean, I know there's a lot of self-taught people out there, but you know, I I've, I've tried and it's not easy. You know, you got to have that kind of dedication. On top of that, being a jack of all trades, he does woodwork. He builds his own guitars, and they are amazing. I will try to get some photos of the of his one of a kind guitars and put them on the Facebook page to advertise them to you guys to show you how awesome his uh, his guitars are. Anyway, so there was a time where uh, the duplex that we were living in it was uh, him and his, him and his wife upstairs, and then me and my fiance downstairs. And we did not have a child yet at this point in time, so we were drinking heavily heavily and i mean all of us all four of us me like you know she i him his wife all of us just drinking like pretty much any time that we weren't working or like you know and had the money to do so just pounding them and you know blasting uh rock music and shit like that and discussing music and discussing life and stuff like that because it, it was a duplex house and all four of us both, both people in the duplex were, you know, it was like family. We like got along and, it, you know, it was awesome. So anyway, we were doing a, we were doing a bunch of drinking back then. And the, this guy, uh, he would go downstairs drunk and start to work on his guitars, which, you know, that, now you're working with power tools, 
well, after consuming heavy amounts of alcohol. And I kept warning him, like, dude, you're going to cut one of your fucking fingers off with, the, like, the power saw or something. Or you're going to put a drill through your hand or some shit like that. He's like, ah, oh, no, don't worry about it, man. I've been doing this a long time. So now that I have that introduction out of the way, me and my fiance are out. We are at the bar with a friend. We come back to the house. We're back in the house. We turn the radio on. We got the, uh, you know, music blaring. We're getting ready to throw some darts. And uh, from we were on the lower apartment. The, the way the house was set up was the upstairs was one apartment. The downstairs was the second apartment. And then they had a shared basement in the bottom, which is where he would do all his uh, woodworking and build all his guitars. So there was all the power tools there. Because our uh, floor was right above the basement, if he yelled up, like, through the, like yelled up through the floor, we could hear him pretty much no matter where we were in the, apart- in the apartment. So we got the music on, and we're getting ready to throw some darts and, you know, cracking open a few more drinks and stuff like that. And I just hear from downstairs, I just hear, Oh! Oh! Shit! Goddamn! Ah! Chad! Chad! Help! I fly down the stairs into the basement like a bat out of hell. I moved like fucking Barry Allen, man. Like I was the goddamn Flash. Because I'm getting down there expecting to see like his hand chopped off at the wrist. I was expecting to get down there and see fingers littering the floor and blood spraying everywhere. That's not what happened. That is not what happened. I get down there and he was screaming like he was in utter pain and terror. Like the worst thing in the world had happened to him. Like the power saw had cut his arm off at the elbow, but that's not what happened. What happened was, um, I'm going to use the term gank here because that's how he puts it. Gank would probably be best described as like a dent or a chip or like a, like a, a flaw in a relatively smooth and nice surface. This gank was the gank heard round the world from the way he reacted. He reacted like he was being murdered by a serial killer in our basement. That's not what happened. What happened was the tiniest, most minute little chip of paint was now flaked out of one of the edges on the guitar he was working on. You would have sworn that that could not have been the reason. He's trying to show me the gank in the guitar, and I'm busy checking his arms to make sure they're still there, and like, and I'm like, man, show me your hands, show me your hands, and he, he, you know, he shows me his hands, he's got, I count 10 fingers, and then he's like, look, I ganked it, man, ganked up, it's ruined, ganked, guitar is ganked, man, and I look at the guitar, and like I said, it is the smallest imperfection, even the most trained eye would probably overlook it, but since it's him, and he's an utter perfectionist, it was not overlooked, It was a big fucking bullseye. And, you know, because of this, because he's like, well, that one's ruined. I can't finish that now. I got to start from scratch. It's like, no, you don't. Fresh lacquer. Put some fresh lacquer down. You're good to go. But that's uh, that's one of my tales from Vandergrift. I call that one the gank heard around the world. And I've got more I've got more gank stories to uh, to factor in there for you. But um, okay, Alrighty. This is what I've been waiting for, gang. This is what I've been waiting for. Um, you hear me talk a lot of recently about Jeff Goldblum and uh, you know my obsession with him because he's amazing and I just he's one of the weirdest yet coolest seeming people on the planet. Um, so I want to have him on the podcast. That's my goal. My goal is to get Pittsburgh native Jeff Goldblum on this podcast. 
another person that I would like, another celebrity I would like to have on this podcast is Crispin Glover. I think he takes the cake when it comes to some weird shit. And to prove this, I found a clip of him on the David Letterman show in 1987, where, you know, he's doing the interview and being just Crispin Glover, and somebody makes fun of his shoes. Somebody in the crowd makes fun of the, the shoes he was wearing, which were like 1970s platform heel, like disco shoes. And his response to that was to get really worked up and stand up and then show off his tiny Crispin Glover George McFly muscle and say, I'm strong. I'm strong. I can arm wrestle. I can arm wrestle. So in the world, the way Crispin Glover sees it, true strength is not measured by your actions or your ability to restrain yourself from temptation. It's measured by arm wrestling. So if you can arm wrestle, if you can go out right now, (laughs) go find a copy of the Sylvester Stallone movie Over the Top, which is a movie about Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling, and just put Crispin Glover in that, that's real strength. That's, to Crispin Glover, what makes the measure of a man. I'm strong, I'm strong, I can arm wrestle. And I'm going to put that clip in here for you. I'm strong, you know, I'm strong, I can arm wrestle. But, uh, Jesus Christ, guys, that, wow. We covered a lot tonight, and uh, I, I hope you enjoy it. I want to end off, of course, with uh, you know telling you guys about a few other things. Check out the podcast, A Fireside Chat, hosted by Mr. Ryan McCormick. Ryan was a good friend of mine. There would be no element of surprise without Ryan, because he's the one that brought me in to that basement in Monroe, Monroeville in 2008 to create the element of surprise. So check out a fireside chat with Ryan McCormick. And um, I honestly, I can't think of any other ones right now. I'll leave you guys out with a song as I always do. Thank you. Take care. And I'll see you soon.